Living Spanglish podcast, the only podcast that comes with a side of ceviche. I am your host, El Fuerte, and to my right, well, actually, my imaginary right, is the Ron Swanson to my Leslie Nope, Ricardo Mexicano. Say what's up. What, what would it be like the side of like ceviche is usually like the main course. So why would it be a side? That's exactly what I was battling with myself when, like, I thought, oh, oh like, look at me being so clever. I was going to a little You know what? I was this close also to say the podcast that comes with a side of pozole. But I'm like, okay, now that is ridiculous. Like, no, nobody in the right the, mind. Pozole is like the main course, too. Yeah. I know. Nobody would, in the right mind would ever have a side of pozole. Like, it's like Lay's. You know, you can't just have one spoonful. You just should have kept it simple, simple Mexican. Uh, and just say frijoles. You should have said that with a side of frijoles. I know, but, you know, like, frijoles is, to, to me, like, frijoles is easy. You know, whenever you go for a Hispanic joke, you never want to go for the beans. Like, you just don't, you know. But I get what you're saying. Like, I should have done for, like, a side of one. Uh, you know what else is also really weird for me? Is uh-huh. that I think that my Spanish accent is pretty good. You know, I know how to roll my R's, et cetera, et cetera. But sorry, I haven't even let you introduce me. Introduce, you know what? They know who you, I am. Mexican Oxu, Ricardo Mexicano, the only guy, <laughs> the only guy with this last name, you know, besides everybody else in my family. But you know, it's your boy, man. You already know what it is. That's right. That's right. I was saying that when it comes to, first of all, the word guac is a really gross word. But as a Latina, I never know how to say it to where it sounds right, rolling out of my mouth. You know, I can't if I say guacamole. It sounds really weird, it, but I can't say guacamole. 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 I don't know. Guac- like, I don't guacamole. know. It's just like a thing. How do you say, uh, uh, say avocado in Spanish? Uh, avocado? I don't know. I've never avocado. said avocado. Avocado. Aguacate. Yeah, that's probably what I'll just end up saying. I don't, I don't, I was like, I'm super hyper today, as do, you do can you, tell. Do, yeah. do you like uh, do you like gu- uh, guacamole a lot? Because I, I feel like the time that we've been out eating, well, we don't really eat a lot of Mexican food. I think we've only done it like a few, a handful of times. But do you like it? Like if we go to like a hell yes, like I I live and die by that stuff. I remember the thing we ate at my mom's house, the uh, the hard-boiled eggs chopped up with a uh, with guacamole. Dude, I'm telling you, and I didn't even know that was like a salvi thing because yeah, I had thing. never, yeah. yeah, I had never eaten it before in my life, but that shit smacked. Let yeah, me tell you, I think it's incredible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For sure, for sure. I think that we all have those things. Do you have any particular like Latin dish that you're not a fan of? Are you talking about food that we just can't stand? Is that what you're saying? Yes. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, so being that my gastronomia. That's how you say like culinary in Spanish. It's crazy, like cooking. Gastronomia uh, refers to like cooking and like culinary in Spanish. My palate is, you know, more tailored to Mexican Salvadorian food. So I can only speak on that. When it comes to, and I and I will say more Mexican because I've only had, uh, I've really only had a handful of like Salvadorians. So there's not too mm-hmm. much of a, too, there's not too much of a variety. And I'm probably committing like a car, uh, a cardinal sin mentioning these two because I know people die for the the the, the, the but it's uh, nopales <gasps> and, and menudo. Oh. Uh, those two. Yeah. Menudo, nopales, I just cannot stand. Like, nopales, I can, I can, so with nopales, 
I know they're like sacred to like you know Mexican culture. It's like you know it's on the flag for for crying out loud. It's 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 literally on the flag. Yeah, like people think we're pledging allegiance to Mexico, bruh. You don't understand. We're pledging allegiance to Nopales. Yeah, like it's uh, and this is like some real Mexican, some real Mexican ish. But I don't know what it is. Like the texture, the taste, it just was never my thing. Last yeah, time I had the salty sliminess of it all. Yeah, yeah, like like last. I think the last time I had it was last like year. Like slugs, and I love it. I love every I, second of nopales. Uh, I was a, uh, I was at, you know, I was, Me- I was in Mexico last year. Uh, September. I was giving it another chance. You know, my 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 aunt made some uh some eggs with nopales in them, and this is eggs too. And I love eggs. Like I can eat eggs like almost any time of the day. You know, I go crazy on eggs. But even with the but with the nopales in them, I just couldn't finish it. And then I think at that moment I realized like I don't think it's ever gonna work out between me and you nopal. Nopales is next to enchiladas are my favorite all time dish. And for our English listeners out there, a nopal is a cactus, right? Mm-hmm. And so traditionally in a Mexican dish, what you do with a cactus and I'm not I, I'm sure obviously they take the like the pins or the needles out of them. Yeah, yeah. You yeah, them, you salt them, you cover them in lard and grease or whatever, and you serve them on a plate. Like it is so much more than just a dish in the Mexican culture. It is a food. It is a plant. It is an aesthetic. You look at like any hipster clothing nowadays, you know, like it's going to have a cactus on it. Like people's tattoo, like people brand themselves with nopales. It's not just a food. It's a movement, Ricardo. And to see you spit on it in such a way. Okay, okay, so okay, don't put words in my mouth. I did not, I did not spit on it. All right, see, see, this is, this is, see, this is the problem. No, Mm -hmm. no, I am not, I am, I am treating it with, with respect. It's just not my thing. You know, people like it, cool, you know, eat it all you want. You're just not going to catch the Galo Mexicano, you know. Down in Mexico, ordering it, ordering well, maybe, a, 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 a plate of ironic. Like your last name right now, I don't know. Yeah. Like you have to go down to the a government office and get a name change under do that. I to, do I have to bring out my resume to, to prove the legitimacy of my of my last name and why oh I, I decided to carry it? Bro, uh, bro no, okay, okay. Well, I mean, I, I get what you're saying, only because when you said menudo is menudo, uh, menudo unforgettable. Like, mm. if you ever been around menudo, you know it's stinky. Like, you can tell, like, it's in the room. You know how chitlins smell, right? Like, tripa, uh, intestines, that, they don't really bother me because I can eat it, like, a, in a taco version. Like, if you were to, like, if you were to, like, cook it up on the, on the, on the parrilla, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, like, put on a taco and then, you know, put everything on it, like, I could eat it fine. And it's delicious. But when it comes to, like, when it comes to, like, the soup version, like menudo, I just, I just can't, man. Like pozole all day. Oh my gosh! And like, here's the thing: is that I've actually had a lot of these discussions with other like Mexicans of like what Mexican dish you hate, and it's so funny because even as a kid, like I used to. I mean, I, you know me, I'm probably the least pickiest eater like in the history of ever. There are like two things in this world that I don't like, and like that's about it. Anything other than that, I'll, I'll pretty much eat anything. I just can't stand anything that reminds me too much of the animal. Like, that's why I asked you about the bone thing, because even with pozole, like, I can, I love pozole, I love to eat it, but I cannot, if it has, like, still the bone in it. I can't even eat, Ricardo, I can't even eat rotisserie chicken that hasn't been, like, like shaven off for me, because it freaks me out. It freaks me out. I don't like my food to like still resemble the thing that like was killed to make it. I don't know. I'm really weird like that. So that's my, you know what? my number one. 
that's interesting because I just thought about it. Yeah, I don't think anytime we've ever eaten, you have ever ordered anything like a steak or like nope. uh or like you let's guys, say or like say ribs like nope. where you can have, where you I can clearly see it. the bones. You watch me, you watch me fucking sob, bro. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm about to say like yeah, you've never ordered anything with like bones. That's crazy. What about fried chicken? Not even fried nope. chicken. No, I can't that's, do fried chicken. That's insane. You are it's, you are crazy, Vettel. I'm telling, no, looking like, and this is what makes me like such a hypocrite. Like, I am in the perfect middle of like the most infuriating hypocrisy ever because I'm not a vegetarian. Mm-hmm. But if you set down like a plate of like drumsticks in front of me, I'll start to tear up. I'll pass it over to my brother. He'll debone the chicken for me and he'll give me my plate back because I'm a child. I'm a child, Ricardo, but I stand by it. I just can't. It makes me too sad. Okay, I, I think deboning it. There's no, there's no shame if you want deboned chicken. I, I think maybe the crying is a little excessive <laughs> in, that situa- in that situation. No. I just <laughs> you know what? Cause like, I don't know. It just like that's the. It, I have issues like that with uh, uh, with killing flies and stuff inside my house too. Like, I'll do it, but I get really upset about it. Because then, okay, now we're going to get into, like, this whole metaphysical thing and you don't, like, want me to get into about, like, how suddenly and instantly, like, we can die just like a fly on the wall. And, like, it's a whole thing, bro. But, yeah, yeah I, mean, I, 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 I know, I understand. We, we talked about that off air and stuff yeah. like that. Um, I mean, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, 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 you know, sadly, I think I'm just desensitized to it because I've seen, I've seen cows killed in front of me. I've seen goats oh, killed yeah, in front of me. Oh, yeah, I have too. And you know, and then I've seen you know them them cut up the animal and you know use it for meat and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. I think I think once you can see that, I mean, as far as like eating it, then. I don't know. Like to me, like I, I I experienced that with a deer, and like ever since then, like dude, I was like traumatized. Like I didn't eat meat for the longest time after that. But you know, say lobby, I have actually. Uh, to change gears a little bit, Ricardo, I have a surprise here on the In Living Spanglish podcast that we have have had the pleasure of acquiring a few international listeners okay. from Oscar and Victoria from Argentina. Uh, oh. that, okay, yeah, yeah. that's cool. Yeah, that, that's really cool to uh, hear. I mean, yeah, shout out to them. Shout out to the whole Argentina, you know. Yeah, that's crazy. I don't know what to say. I'm speechless. Yeah, right, right. I don't know. I just think it's really awesome because... That's one of the things that we always wanted to do here is to obviously like build a community that's like really inclusive and also to make to realize that this world is like as big as it is. It's also like really small. And that's another thing that I've been really grateful for when it comes to like these Spanish lessons where I get to talk to people from you know, Spain and Argentina and Venezuela and all over the world. And like, you know, now we have uh, people that listen from there, too. So it's really, really dope. Uh, another thing that I know that we wanted to talk about, speaking about regions, was uh, the differences between California Hispanics and Texas Hispanics. Because uh, whether people know it or not, you know, there are stark differences between us. So this is something that I really want to touch on. I'm talking about this particularly because so much of the, the culture when it comes to Mexican people are centered usually around these two states. I think one of the big difference that... That comes to my mind, California, Hispanics, Mexicans uh, and Texas Hispanics is the 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 geography of it. You know, we're we're located in the south that plays a really different role in our upbringing when it comes to interactions, race relations, 
food, of course, just a, a different lens that I don't think is really portrayed in the media and, and news articles. I don't think you ever hear about the, the, the uh, Southern Hispanic experience because you, you usually, when you mention Hispanics in the media, it's usually catering to almost like the California, the, the California Hispanic and, and even, and even, uh, the, uh, Caribbean Hispanic, you know, the, um, the Cuban, the Dominican, Puerto Rican, that's usually the side that you see. And of course, like I said, Mexicans there, but like I said, it's more a West Coast representation than, than the down South, Texas, Georgia, um, what else? Uh, mainly those two states because, uh, the, a lot of Mexicans are, are in, uh, Texas, Georgia, uh, Mississippi, Alabama, not so much. There, I feel like that perspective or that story hasn't really been told. And, and, I, and that's something that I really want to see one day. It's like tell that, that, that perspective being told through stories, through, a wider range of media. Yo, I mean, yeah, like when it comes to entertainment and stuff, if they're going to show any quote unquote, it, I don't know why I said quote unquote, if they're going to show any Mexican, it is almost always going to be a California Mexican. Now, don't get me wrong, like we're happy for representation of all regions. Just like you said, we as a, a group of people, there's more political nuance with us. The thing about the portraying Californian Mexicans, I guess, a, a little more easier to go about is just because whenever you live traditionally, whenever you live in California and you represent like the Mexican culture, California is already considered a liberal state. And mm -hmm. so when you have a Cali Met, it's easier to like paint everything with a liberal brush. Whenever you think about Texan Mexican, there are different things that we have to weave through in our personal beliefs. We have to live in a very, very conservative universe, which is Texas, while knowing that this country and a lot of times the state that we live in doesn't advocate for us the way that it should. And if you, you think about taking those concepts, think about taking the concepts of growing up in a so oftentimes closed-minded environment that doesn't always speak for you or advocate for you, but at the same time considering it home, it's it's a very tough thing to and growing up in it and still like loving and still loving the woods and still love it and like having having parts of yourself that you that you love that is very old fashioned very and very country very traditionally Mex and very traditionally Texan while having other parts of it that don't feel that are for you it's I think it's a very interesting story it's a very interesting nuanced story that hasn't been tackled yet yeah yeah I understand and I, I think. One of the biggest uh, factors as to why the California uh, Hispanic Mexican Salvadorian, you know, et cetera, et cetera, gets portrayed mm -hmm. more often is because, you know, because of Hollywood, you know, because the media is so yeah. centrally located in, you know, in L.A. And L.A. has such a ha has such a huge, you know, we know this L.A. has like huge huge hispanic population i mean some people make the case that you know you know hispanics and mexicans they run la when you're talking, when you're talking about like the streets and stuff like that and i think that has always played a huge huge role in the representation of uh, of hispanics out there but i think if i had to pick if i had to pick like two key points that i think really separates us it's the i think it's the race relations and mm -hmm. i want to say the yeah probably more of the spotlight kind of thing because well, okay let's start with race relations so believe it or not and this is kind of hard to con conceptualize in your mind if you're not from here but 
race relationship between, as far as I know, and this is, you know, where me and Veronica grew up in, uh, in East Texas, which is you know, pretty, pretty as, as conservative as you can get. But from my, from, from my upbringing, and I think you can attest to this too, is that Hispanics and blacks, for the most part, we've always had a pretty great um, relationship together as far as like working together as a community. as like, you know, and just getting along in general. I think we've always had a strong, strong uh, bond with each other because I think it is that, that concept of we know that we're at the bottom and we have to like fight our way to the top. So we're minorities in it together, yeah. Right, 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 yeah, and and that's something I always thought was dope, you know. Of course, you know, you have your clashes because of you know street tide and gang and stuff like that, you know, mm-hmm. which I saw, I've seen rumbles where it was like black versus you know brown, and you know it, it, it's messed up to see like that, but it happens, you know. But I think overall, I've seen more positivity than anything detrimental, and I think with California because there is such a heavy uh gang element that you know started there, and there's a lot of uh a lot of uh messed up things that have happened between black and brown out there it's more uh split it's more divisive and a lot of times you know if you're from a certain neighborhood if you're from a certain side of the city you know you will never in your life interact with somebody that's that's black and that's vice versa because you know they killed the homie you know 15 years ago and you know and yeah it's unfortunate but i i want to believe that that we probably have a better relationship when it comes to that that community amongst uh different races uh but you know but but california is very diverse now, i'm not saying that's not out there at all you know uh you go to northern california and you would think you're back in texas because of how how uh how how good they get along but in southern california la to be specific it's a little it's a little bit, it's a little bit different see and you're really schooling me on this uh ricardo uh i think it's just because of the way that um i've grown up it's almost like uh, I agree with you to an extent, you know, there's been a good majority of times in my life where I feel like the the relations between uh, Hispanics, between Mexicans and between black people in my life have been predominantly good, predominantly, you know, very unifying. But there are also been instances, very personal instances for me that I've seen quite the opposite, you know, I think that a lot of times people don't understand how significant the hispanic population is in texas like it's crazy like i've met people who are hispanic mm-hmm. themselves who lived in like you know colorado and california florida uh, virginia uh illinois you know chicago chicago has a huge mexican population but a lot of people don't really know that i've been there for, for for decades if you're outside of this state you don't really realize like the scope of like of like hispanic and the population that's here and, yeah. and i think that and I think that's because, you know, there's been so much attention when it comes to uh, the problems in the Hispanic community. Uh, always. Huh? Sorry, I was about to say you don't realize how how black and brown our state is, how certain like how certain sectors of it. We're very heavily populated up in here. We are up in here for real. And you well, don't yeah. notice it. Out of state, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, no. You go to you go to California. I mean, I mean, you go to uh, you go to certain cities in Texas. You know, mm-hmm. to, you know, take Dallas for instance. You go you go to certain parts of Dallas, and you think you're like you're 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 at the, you're you're on the border. You think you're at a border town because of how how brown it is, or, or you know, you go to I mean, San Antonio for instance. You know, you know, it speaks for itself as far as like the Hispanic presence there. You know, Houston too, huge, huge, huge Corpus oh. Christi, uh. Austin, like it, it's just, it, and I think that's, I think it's just a level of unawareness that a lot of people don't understand 
of like just how huge the president is, the presence is of us over here if you're outside of the state. And also, you know, there's been so many uh uh movements and stuff like that that that've kind of originated in California. And I think that's why they kind of a lot of times get the get the spotlight. So you know, low rider culture, the the Chicano culture, um. The uh, civil rights movement with like Cesar Chavez, that all started in California. But you know, Texas had its own movement too. It's just, you know, was on a smaller scale. So that also yeah. played a lot into it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I actually like to, to like further drive home your point, Ricardo. I never told you. Okay. So um, last week, uh, me and my tia, we drove up to Illinois to visit my cousin uh, for her birthday at her college, right? Right. And so she lives all the, uh, she's going to school all the way in Quincy, Illinois. So we make the road trip up there, whatever. And so when we get there, we take her out to eat and we don't know like any of these places. We don't recognize any of the names. We're like, okay, we're going to go to this random diner. So when we walk in the diner, let me tell you, it is like, it's a pretty big diner and it was pretty busy, but it was busy with nothing. Nada mas. It just, it was full of like, old white people right and which mm-hmm. wouldn't have been a problem except that the minute that we walk in i kid you it was like something out of a movie half the people there stopped eating and just looked at us i kid you not like it was so freaking weird it what part looked- of uh what part of illinois is this it was quincy illinois so it's like right on the border if you drive 20 minutes south you're in missouri Okay, okay, so it's close to St. Louis. And uh, it's about two hours away from St. Louis. Okay, and, okay, gotcha. And so, yeah, so it was just silent, and, like, half the people just walked, looked at us, and then watched us walk to the end of the restaurant to, like, because it was pretty crowded, to, like, find a good table, right? Mm-hmm. And it was just super weird, and then when we all sat down, we we're like, wow, did you see that? It's like, yeah, that's really weird. And, of course, uh, Priscilla, uh, she made a joke, and she's like, they don't have to stare at us just because we're the only uh, raisins in this bowl full of oatmeal. And mm. so that was that was crazy. I've never experienced anything like that, Ricardo. And, I mean, I would say that I've traveled, uh, probably not as much as you, but, like, I've traveled quite a bit in my life, and I've never had, like, such an obvious, like, it was like they were burning a hole through my head. It was so weird. It was so weird. <laughs> what were you saying? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've had, uh, yeah, I've had plenty of experience like that. Uh, and not just white people, too. I've had, you know, gone to, like, you know, where it's just nothing but Asians. And, you know, I just mm-hmm. pop in, you know, you get that look. I mean, and, and you know. Damn, bro. Yeah, I mean, but I'm talking about in the states too. You know, just going to like a like a like a place where it's you know uh, nothing but Asian folks, or you know, you go and it's like nothing but Indian people. So you know, yeah, stuff like that does happen where you're kind of like out of your uh out of your element and you don't know what to do. My element is anywhere where there's food. Okay, I was in my element. They just had to deal. With it. Yeah. <laughs> well, did you like did you like the food? No, it was only okay. You know. Okay. Only okay, it was not worth like the looks I got. It was not worth all of that. But you know. <laughs> I think another like big difference between uh California and California and Tex Mexicans is obviously the food. I feel like um with uh California Mexicans, they I, I wouldn't I th- I feel like it sounds like offensive to us to say like things like it's fresher, but I feel like traditionally like their stuff is more like uh, a vegetable based. And a lot of the stuff that we eat here here we're very cheese based like we love to put queso and aguacate on top of everything and uh california is very big on aguacate too but like they don't like cover everything in cheese the way that we do or maybe that's just tex-mex i mean yeah that's definitely tex-mex but also i think that all depends on the type 
of, you know, authentic Mexican restaurant you're going to because Mexico is so diverse when it comes to mm-hmm. their dishes. And depending on one, what yeah. what state, what depending on what state that person in Mexico is from, they can, you know, they, they can be really into cheese where, you know, maybe you saw a restaurant in California and that person was maybe a little bit more uh, conservative when it came to cheese and, you know, pro, you know, uh, rather use vegetables. So I think it just all depends. Um, it really depends on, on the person and, and their background and what they have grown up to uh, to make and stuff like that. I will say though, and this is one conversation that I'm really passionate about, is that I hate, I hate, I repeat one more time, I hate that California <laughs> that people that California Mexicans have like this 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 almost ownership of like street tacos, and I'm like, no, no, y'all don't. That's true. Like, a lot of people like like I remember what like there was somebody. And he, he was black and he grew up in he grew up in El Paso and 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 he was like I, I didn't have a street taco until I until I moved to California I'm like what, what? are you talking about but you're what from El Paso like, you like like you're on the border like you can get a street taco anywhere I'm like 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 what I don't uh, this notion that street tacos only exist in California is is flabbergasting to me I'm just like I, I kid you not like my home from? Um, I'm saying the, the hometown, bro, the hometown where I'm from has like five of them, like on rotation. In fact, they had to get like a, a permission certification or whatever from our county so they don't like create too much competition with uh, like for each other. Yeah. That's how out, out here we are. Yeah. And, and, and I can and I can say that, you know, that some of the talk that I've had in Texas, way better, way better than some of the ones in California. California is good. Don't get me wrong, but don't 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 think you have like you can stake the claim to to, to street talk and all that. Yeah, well, we really we really need to have a California Mexican like get on the podcast like once and just like give it to us straight. Just so duke it out. Have, just duke yeah. it out. One time. <laughs> yeah, so we can see which one's the better Mexican once and for all, bro. Let's let's get it. Yeah, yeah, that's gonna have to happen. California Mexicans, uh, if you're listening, go ahead and call us up and uh, we'll duke it out. We'll find out, you know. Who's the better Mexican? Uh, and uh, uh, we'll settle that once and for all. We are going to get into good looking out. This is the segment where we uh, tell you what we've been into this week. Music, movies, all of that good stuff. And today I'm actually really excited to hear from yours, Ricardo, because I'm heavily jealous right now. I do not have HBO Max and I can't wait until I can access it because you have finally... You finally watched the movie that I've that's been on my list forever, and uh, go ahead and uh, uh, tell them what it is. Series, not movie. Oh yeah, that's right. It's like multiple episodes. Okay, sorry yeah, about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so far they're on episode eight. Uh, mm-hmm. Lovecraft Country, Lovecraft Country, Lovecraft Country. <laughs> Amazing, addicting, riveting, uh, funny, thought provoking. Just you know all the accolades, all the accolades I could give it. And I, and I'm a very uh I want to say I'm a harsh critic, but I'm I'm not the most easiest to please sometimes. You can be persnickety. Yeah, 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 for sure. But this and be, and I think the main reason because of that is because I'm I'm always so resistant to like listening to reviews and listening to other people. But yo, mm-hmm. when I started watching this show, I'm like, man, somebody should have told me about this show way earlier because this thing slaps, bro. This thing is crazy. The way so so for those who don't know. Uh, Lovecraft Country, I think it's based on a book. I think it came out like in 2016, 2015, something like that. And mm-hmm. and it ties, it does a very, I never read the book, but just based on the show, it's tying how the stories of H.P. Lovecraft, you know, who wrote a bunch of like Pulp Fiction novels back in like the early 20s and 30s, and how his stories, 
manifest in real life and how they somehow portray how, how they somehow connect to to uh the racism and like the civil rights struggle of like the 50 because this is set in like the late 50s in chicago so and, and for those who don't know hp lovecraft was a pretty known racist you know he would he would like write little short poems talking how black people were like inferior and like pretty much like monsters and um uh, and so the the, the the show and the book kind of take a twist on that and be like okay so the reason there's so much um negativity and there's so much struggle for black people is because the supernatural horror elements are directly impacting the community and just the way they do it is so dope from like the monsters time traveling elements uh just how the way white people perceive you is because you know they have like some sort of like evil demonic horror you know esoteric knowledge about other things and it's just it's so much it, wow. I can't get it. I, I could not get into it like there's a Korean War episode that deals with like like demons there's like there's like this time traveling episode oh, about you know finding yourself wow huh? you said what oh I was gonna say is it an anthology or is it like following one particular no, 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 person no, 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 no it's following the story it's following like a group of uh, a group of characters yeah but it's just mm-hmm. the way that they go about each episode is very unique because it usually ties back to like what the main theme is so like yeah so sometimes you'll watch an episode and be like all right what does this have to do with anything but then usually towards the end it kind of like ties it up for you in like a nice pretty bow and like all right this is what the the, re- the reason why we went this route because of this so um yeah check it out if you have hbo max watch it immediately if you don't bootleg it somewhere i don't care mm, yeah but that, that that actually again like that's something that i've been dying to watch so I'm actually really excited that you think so highly of it. How many Ricardo stars does it get? Oh, well, just because it didn't finish yet. Uh, I think there one episode eight, and I think there's two more episodes. And and it's great right now for the for the Halloween season. So definitely catch it right now while you can during the month of October. Um, I will say since it hasn't wrapped up, I'll give it an eight point five. But I can easily see myself giving it a, a, a ten out of ten once the once the uh, the season wraps up. Oh, are you what? Yeah. A perfect score from Ricardo Mexicano. Now that that is a rare find right there. I'm glad that uh, your pick for this week's Good Looking Out was kind of scary or Halloween related because mine is as well. Uh, so for my Good Looking Out segment, it is for uh, Vampires vs. the Bronx. It just came out on Netflix on October 2nd, and I'm super, super hyped about it uh, because in another universe, I could very much see it be a Disney Channel original movie. I say this mostly because of the characters. Uh, Miguel Martinez, Bobby, Luis, they are all, uh, you know, like uh, Puerto Ricans and Actually, no, like Miguel and Luis are Puerto Ricans or Latino of some kind and like Bobby's black. Right. And their whole story. I mean, you can still be you could you could still be Puerto Rican and black, but go on. I know what you mean. (laughs) <laughs> this, this, this true, but from what I saw, like, yeah, well, you're right, you're right. You mean Af- African-American, is that what you mean? Yeah, 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 you're right. Okay, so, and uh, so basically what it is is that uh, Miguel is walking around. He's trying to save this uh, bodega that he grew up in, basically, and that the storefront guy was, like, kind of his surrogate father, that sort of thing. And uh, it's very, like I said, it's very Hey Arnold-esque in its spirit because it starts off as, like, this innocent thing. And uh, like this whole big thread of like gentrification and 
stuff starts looming in. And I'm not going to give it away, even though it's not too far along in the movie. But somebody in the neighborhood turns out to be vampires, right? And it's not who you think. And it, it turns out to be just one of these very classic, very action-filled, like, um, Halloween movies that I feel like you and if you have a teenage like um teenage son or daughter you can literally just watch and enjoy and the the thing that I love the most about it is that it didn't feel like I was watching a PSA you know and I know that's sort of dicey to say because I know that representation matters and our stories matter and like this is one of those few movies that I watch and I could I could see someone just enjoying it for the regular degular thing that it is, which is just a Halloween movie about vampires with mm-hmm. kids that just happen to be from the that happen to be from the Bronx, that happen to be Latino, that happen to be African American, not because they're Latino, not because they're African American, and like they they have a way of like weaving in like the music and like the aesthetic and and um and just the the entire uh, the entire vibe and the entire authenticity of being of being inner city minority children without beating you over the head with it and making you feel like you know you're watching um you know um again like a public service announcement and i just thought I mean, if nothing else, it was really, really refreshing because I really do want to get to a point like they're watching this movie, Vampires vs. the Bronx. It was so much fun. I saw myself in without it having this having a pander without yeah. me, yeah, without pandering. Yeah. You know, I mean, I know this is like a far reaching star, but one day I can't I just cannot wait for the day, Ricardo, I tell you where we can have a universe of creatives where we can just create and we don't and it's true because i feel like i i feel it sometimes it's like this this obligation to tell our story and sometimes a very heady way to drive the point home and this movie very much didn't do that it was a lot of fun it was a lot of vampire slashing it was a lot of violence but in the in a very holiday-esque way and i definitely recommend it it would i think it was a solid for halloween time solid nine out of ten all the way yeah, I mean, and I like and I like what you're saying because you, you, I mean, you know me. I've always been very big on that about having, you know, making dope content, making dope projects, but just don't pander, man. Just make, just like in the words of Kanye, just make it dope, kind of thing. You know, yeah. if, it, if it if it's dope, it's dope, and it's gonna resonate with the people it's supposed to resonate to, no matter the races, uh, no matter the the background of the people. Just make it about the characters. Stop making it about all this uh superficial um stuff all the time. You know, yeah, we know they're black, we know they're Hispanic, but tell me more. You know. Um, and I think one of the, um, one of the dopest things that kind of resonated with me when you were talking about that, it just popped to my mind was when Gambino, it was like 2011, I think like shortly after he dropped camp or I think it was like on the, on the cusp of a, a dropping camp where he said, um, it was a whole, uh, Donald for Spider-Man campaign and, mm-hmm. you know, people were criticizing him because they, they couldn't believe that, you know, oh, a black person could ever be Spider-Man kind of thing. And he was like, okay, you, and he made this great point where he was like, oh, you don't, you don't think there's a a black kid who lived in Queens who stays with their aunt that likes science yeah. that that couldn't be just because you know what does the skin color have to do? They're they're the kid that, that yeah, yeah, they're the kid that exactly like Peter Parker. He just happens to be black, 
and he's into the exact same thing that he is. So, you know, and that's 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 uh that's one thing I always carry in my mind a lot. I always like that that point that he made and I and that's carried through and I always think about that throughout the years up to this point where yeah, man, like, you know, we come in such uh different facets and shapes of uh of creativity and you know, like horror and like sci fi hot horror, sci fi and all these like nerdy stuff that people like to like to say it isn't just mutually exclusive to white people like you know people of color can have supernatural horror sci-fi experiences and like stories and it'd be just as valid so yeah exactly exactly and like i said i'm really excited for you to watch this it's a, a a horror comedy more than anything else it's fun it's creepy and it's like a it's not like the shining scary but it's like a little bit more above like disney channel original halloween town and like my mom went on a date with a vampire like it's yeah it's like more than that but less than the shining if that makes any sense yeah. but definitely- I, 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 I like that movie the mom went on a date with a vampire i really Ooh, like that yes. it's a classic broski uh i hope you guys uh check out lovecraft you're right say that five times fast lovecraft country uh or vampires uh versus the bronx uh let us know what you think write us tweet us all of that good stuff at Fuerte and mexican underscore not sue n-a-t-s-u mexican spelled the usual way great damn straight okay in the meantime and in between time that has been it for this week's episode thanks so much you guys for listening in and as always we out